This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. You can uh, go to the YouVersion app. It's free. And we're going to be using the, the CSB this morning, the Christian Standard Bible. This is going to be the Bible that we're going to be reading from this morning. And so I encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, to, uh, to find one. And I got a new, I got a new uh, Bible here, and it has, it's big, and it has big letters because I'm old. That's what happens. I know some of you think, you don't act old, you act really immature. I know. I know, but I'm, but I'm not. I'm almost 46 years old. I'll be 46 next month, or this month actually, it's October now. So October 22nd is my birthday. When I was younger, um, I was the kind of person that if I, if I really wanted to go see a movie, you know, I had a lot more energy than I do now. Now I go to bed at like nine o'clock. But, if, but back, back then, you know, if I really wanted to see a movie and I was really looking forward to, you know, one of those like, this is a, I can't, I just can't miss this movie. I cannot wait to see it. I would do uh, what all young people do. I'd try and go to the midnight show just because I really wanted to see it. I'm like, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to be the first one to see it. I don't want anybody to spoil anything. I'm going to go see this as, as quickly as I possibly can. Just run to it. I'm going to run to this thing because I want to I wanna see it. I, one time, um, this didn't turn out well for me, but one time I, I wanted to see this movie. I don't even remember what the movie was. It was an action movie. And I told my sister and brother-in-law, hey, we got to get there early. Like, we have to... I want to make sure, this is before you could, you know, reserve your seats. You know, now it's nice because you can just go, hey, I want G4 and G5, you know. Now, then it was like first come, first serve. We got to get there an hour early, maybe even an hour and a half early. I don't know. I just want to make sure I don't sit in the front row and I can see it. And so they kind of roll their eyes, you know, begrudgingly go with me. To which we got there and the line started, you know, at one spot and we were the only ones there. I thought, we're the only ones here so far. This is great. And about a half an hour before, we were still the only ones there, you know, and 10 minutes before, still the only ones there. Turned out the movie wasn't very good and nobody went and saw it. So we wasted a lot of time. But still, it was that like, I cannot wait to go see this. It's a can't miss. I have to see it. And then there's other movies where people say, hey, you really need to see this movie. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I mean, I'll see it maybe if it comes out. On, is it like is something I should see in the, in the theater or should I see it at home? See it in the theater. Yeah. If I, in my mind, if I happen to see it, fine. If I don't see it, fine. Like, it's a lot of time. You know, it's a lot of time. Movies these days, two hours is a lot of time, you know, to give, especially when you go to bed so early. So I don't, I don't know how to think through that sometimes. But there are these movie categories for me. It's like I can't miss, can't wait to see it. And then, yeah, if I see it, it's okay, but I don't really need to see it. It's, it's just kind of something that I might do if I get around to it. Two different categories. And I think there's two different categories for us Christians when we think about experiencing and knowing and seeing and recognizing and viewing and being close to God's grace and His working. For most of us, if God's working in us and we see his grace active in us, we can't miss that. I can't, oh man, I love it when God does a work in me. I love it when he's, he's doing stuff. 
His Spirit's at work, and I'm growing, and I, you know, I, I recognize, oh, the gospel's so good, and all my sin is taken down, and I, Jesus has it all. This is amazing. I can't wait to be a part of it. And then, when we think about it with other people outside of us, sometimes I think it can be, maybe oftentimes, yeah. I mean, if I, if I get around to, to seeing it or being a part of it, that's cool, you know, but I... But I'm not necessarily going to run towards it. If it's me, oh, I'm running towards it. Because I want God to work in my life. My neighbors, yeah, if, I'm, if, it, if I see it, it'd be cool, I guess. We have this weird dynamic where, where man, we, we can selfishly think, if it's about me, great. If it's about others, if I happen to see it. And you think, I don't know if that's true, Jason. I'll just say this. Well, if, if it's not something that you're so no? Yes? Okay. Anybody? I'm still breathing. Good. I appreciate that. Um, but if, I, if it's something that I'm not eager to see, then, then why am I not more often or more frequently going to my neighbors and saying, can I tell you about Jesus? Because I think if we really wanted to see grace and see the experience of God working, I think our neighbors would know way more often that we love them with gospel love. Or or a thousand other things. People that we don't, you know, have, have agreement on in our politics. Sometimes we, we disagree politically with somebody and we can go, enemy. I don't really want to see God work there. They're going to get what's coming to them. Or other ideologies, cultural norms, people that are messy. Man, sometimes, you know, you get people that are messy that come into your life, messy, hard to deal with. Maybe some of you think about that when you think of, of me, probably. Um, oh, he's messy. You, messiness, and we go, yeah, the messy people are hard. I mean, put, put together people, I got it. Come on over for dinner. The messy people, that takes a lot of work. We see God working in gracious ways. We have to recognize, I think, that in us, we have this categories. Yeah, if it's me, great. I cannot wait to see it. If it's others, I'm not sure. Which is why, as we th- we're going to see in Jonah, which is why uh, my big idea today, the thing that I really want you to get, is that growing Christians run toward God's grace. Even, even when it's people that we might not like or that we may have massive disagreements with. But, but, but growing Christians run to see the spectacle of God's grace and patience and mercy and love. To just say, where is he at work? I, look, he could be working in all these places. Let me run there and watch it. Oftentimes, though, we're like the people who, who kind of think, yeah, yeah, no, no, if I happen to come across it, if I'm, if I'm walking along and I happen to see, oh, Something's happening here. Let me go see. Oh, okay, that's cool. See what it is. We meander over to it. Sometimes we run away from it. But people that, that experience, know God deeply, continue to grow in their understanding of God's character and who He is and His love and His mercy and kindness and patience, the more we grow and we understand that as Christians, the more I think we will be prone to say, hey, wherever God's grace is, let me run there and be a part of it. Because I want to see him working. And Jonah's going to help us with this. The whole, 
letter is going to help us with this. This whole book of the prophet is going to help us understand this. And we're going to start here with just the first three verses. I, I actually love, uh, um, in terms of my big idea, growing Christians run towards God's grace. Richard Phillips, who's a, who's a commentator on Jonah, he said this, and I thought this was, this was a, great, uh, a great quote. He says, resentment toward God's grace is a sure sign of spiritual decline. Resentment toward God's grace is a sure sign of spiritual decline. I don't want God to work in that person. I hope God doesn't work in, in that group of people. I hope God isn't doing something over there. That'd be a bummer. Because, man, they got, it's not, it wouldn't be fair. question is, what if we are those who resent His grace? What if we are those who run from it? Or, or at least we don't run towards it. What happens? Does anything happen in us? Do, do we, like, is there something that is detrimental to us? Or is it okay for us just to say, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm, I'm okay not running, you know, not being somebody who's running towards God's grace. I, I'm fine not growing. I'm fine just being on the outside. It's okay. Is there something that we have to get here? I think that there is. I, I just want to put that question in your mind. We'll, we'll come back to it. Let me, let me do this. Let me read Jonah chapter 1. I'm just going to read the first three verses, and then we're going to uh, break it down a little bit and figure out how we, can, how we can live this out. So Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We read this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh, preach against it, because their evil has come up before me. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. Here's the, here's the overview of Jonah. If you're, if you're not familiar with this uh, book of the Bible, here's the overview. If I were to give you just a quick summary of it, it's this. It's that there's a prophet who is angry at God because he, he might show a group of people he doesn't like patience, grace, and kindness and steadfast love. Because he, he sees them as those who don't listen to him, who have run away from him, who have ignored what he has to say, and he's mad about it. And so to, to show his frustration, he ignores God, he doesn't listen to him, he, he doesn't follow the things that he's calling him to do, and immediately God shows him patience and grace and steadfast love. That, that's essentially Jonah. And actually, the main character in this is God. This isn't even Jonah. I know the book has his name on it. Um, but it's really God at work because his patience and his steadfast love and his kindness is shown to every person that comes into the story, experiences some level of God's patience and kindness and grace. And we read right off the bat, as we're thinking about this reality for us, Right off the bat, that the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Get up. Now, now that's not just because he was lying down. Get up, meaning 
as a prophet right now, immediately, I want you to go make your way to Nineveh. Make, make your way there. Nineveh would have been where he was, would have been about uh, northeast of where he was in, mo- in modern-day uh, Iraq. So in that Fertile Crescent, Mesopotamian area, he's in the, the Mediterranean, uh, Israel area. So just northeast, just go there. Go east. I want you to go there. I want you to tell them uh, about judgment. Preach to them. Preach against them because their evil, it says, has come up before me. So I want you to go and I want you to proclaim something to them. And Jonah goes to Nineveh and it, it's great. Like no problems he just listens to God. It's amazing. It's an amazing story. Short. It's a very short book. No, what Jonah does is he actually gets up and goes as far away as he possibly can. He makes his way to Spain. Tarshish is on the coast of Spain. And so if you think about it, it's the opposite side of the Mediterranean. The known world that he would have known it. He's just going, how, how far away can I get from Nineveh? Because I am not going there. I'm not going to spend my time there. And you might think, well, well, why? Like, why does he do that? What's, what's, what's keeping him from actually just hanging out and going to Nineveh? Well, if you, if you think, if you know your history, which most of us don't, you know, I have to, I got to read stuff about history too. So um, the Assyrians, so if you read your Old Testament, the Assyrians were constantly at Israel's throat, all, just constantly there. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. And so they are just going after them for hundreds of years constantly trying to take over their land, at war, fighting. They, they've taken, they're getting ready here. Jonah's prophesying somewhere around 780 B.C. And the Assyrians are going to take over Israel, bring them into captivity, the northern kingdom, uh, in about 720. So 60 years before this. And Jonah, it's like everything's going wrong. And the Assyrians are the problem. And now he's saying, you go and you tell them that judgment's coming. We might think, well, what Jonah's doing is he's saying, I'm not going there. They hate people like me. I'm not going there. I'm going to walk into that place and die. Like, I'm not, I am not ready to spend my life walking or taking a donkey or however I'm going to get there to Nineveh and then die. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm terrified. I'm frightened, which would make sense to us, right? We kind of go, well, I get it. I mean, you should still do what God's calling you to do, but I understand it. But that's not why he doesn't want to go. You know why he doesn't want to go? We actually read it in Jonah chapter 4. If you just flip over there really fast, you'll see it with me. We see this in verse 4, chapter, in verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithfulness and faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. What's he saying? I knew that if I went and preached to them what you wanted me to preach, because I know your character, there's a real good chance that they would repent, and I don't want them to repent. I want them to experience judgment and justice. I want them to die, is what he's saying. And I knew that you're calling me to go there, and there was a good chance that I would repent preach to them the word you want me to preach, and what was going to happen is they would turn from their sin, and then you, because you're a gracious God, would actually say, 
you're forgiven. Follow me. And Jonah's saying, I knew you were going to do that, and I am ticked that that's exactly what happened. If you haven't read Jonah, read it. I'm not spoiling the end. Well, I guess I did. That's okay. You can read it this week. You're going to spoil the end for yourself if you haven't read it before. He, he doesn't want them to experience grace. He wants to run from it. Look, it's, it's telling, isn't it? Because he's sitting here saying, saying, I don't want to see you be gracious. I'm not going to run towards that. What happens if they all repent and they're all saved from judgment? That'd be a bad day, is what Jonah's saying. It'd be a terrible day. And yet, yet we think that's a selfish attitude, right? I mean, he's running away from watching God do work. He doesn't want to see it. He would much rather go somewhere else and let those people perish. Let those people die. He actually abandons his calling as a prophet because prophets were, were meant to be the mouthpiece of God. They were meant to go and, and proclaim what God said, to, to say the very words of people. Sometimes it was for judgment. Sometimes it was for hope, repentance. It was a number of different ways they would play itself out. But he's saying, you want me to go say this to them? Nope. Not doing it. Can you imagine God speaking and you're just saying, uh-uh. Like you hear God's voice, do this. Nope. Not doing it. I was thinking about this this week because I, I was thinking, you know, in the New Testament it says that angels long to look into things like grace. Gospel grace and grace and how God interacts. I can just imagine like in a situation like this, if, if, if they're somehow, you know, seeing what's going on, you have a couple of them maybe sitting around and they are like, wait, what just happened? Oh, God, he, he just told that guy down here. He just told that guy, Jonah, he's a prophet. He told him that he was supposed to go and preach uh, this judgment in the city. And, and the, the guy said no. The guy, just, the guy, guy just said no. I wonder, if, like, what's God going to do? And maybe they say, you know, Lord, like, what? What's, what's going to happen here? Because, man, like, that does, does that happen a lot? What, what's going on? Like, that guy, you just told him what to do, and that guy said, I'm not going. Surely, like, that guy's going to die. That guy's getting it. How long is it before you just take that guy out? Are you going to take him out? Are you going to let him go? What are you going to do? Because, man, you don't cross the, the, the God of the universe. You don't cross the Creator like that. Like, what's going to happen? That guy, God, who, who does that? Who does that? What kind of person does that? I imagine God saying, they all do that. They all do that. But, just wait around a little bit. Because you're going to see me work. Because in a, in a few hundred years, they all do that. But I'm going to send somebody, me, to take all of their running from me and flip it and change it in my grace. Because I have a king. I'm going to be the king. And I'm going down there. 
second person of the Trinity. I'm going down there, and I'm going to save them, and you're not going to even know what that looks like. It's going to be confusing. You don't know. Everybody's going to think it's going to be something different, but I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to save the ones who continue to run from me. And listen, we, we are those people. I ask the question, what if we are those that run away? We are. We are. We, we are and we have been. You think, I wouldn't do that. If God tells me to do something, I wouldn't say no. And I would say, really? Because he's given us lots of things to do. He's given us a whole book of things to do. And yet we still look at it and go, okay, we're supposed to be a part of the body of Christ. We're supposed to be those who are intricately involved. And yet it's fine to have like 25% attendance, which is the norm now in America. 25% attendance on Sundays, no involvement in groups, really not a part of the church, but I'm a part of the church because I say it. But God says that's not what it means to be a part of the church. And we go, yeah, but and I got vacations to take. 75% of the time. (laughs) I got, man, I got things to do. I I can't spend my time doing this. That person's too messy. I can't spend time with them. When the Bible says the messy people are the people we're called to go and serve. I mean, I can't reach out to my neighbors. They're going to think I'm weird. I was, why would I do that? I'm going to make every single time I walk to the garbage can awkward, right? I'm going to have this awkward conversation with them every time because they know I'm a Christian, and then it's going to be weird. And yet the Bible says, go make disciples of all nations. And we say, "Uh uh-uh. I don't want to see God's grace. I mean, it's fine if it's in me. But I I don't want to see God's grace in others. Not that much. I mean, if I happen to see it, that's cool. I don't, I don't really want to go pursue it. We're not, we're just like Jonah. We're just like Jonah. We have to be careful reading our Bibles, don't we? Because we can get to the spot of going, I wouldn't be like that. And guess what? We would always be like that. (laughs) I would never do that. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I would. They're all like that. But listen, we are all like that. But when we, we get into, this, into this, uh, this book here, this prophetic book, we're going to see that God doesn't just simply say, enough of you. That's it. Enough of you. You only get one second chance. You blew that. Done. That's not how God works. Remember, Exodus. We, we talked about this in the last series, but who are you, Lord? The Lord The Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness to the second and third and fourth generations, and who will by no means clear the guilty. Yes. But man, no means clear the guilty is the last thing in there. All the patience and the grace and the mercy, it's his character in us. And we have to recognize that. And if, if we don't understand that we, we are like Jonah, we are those who just have, have run and God has pursued us. Listen, if you're a Christian, God has pursued you. He's, he's actually fulfilled Psalm 23. Surely his goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Amen? And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There, there is something about that that we have to understand. 
We have to get, we have to grasp. And you might be here, you might not be a Christian, I don't know all of you in this room, you might not be a Christian thinking, what, is he, what are you talking about? There's a guy and a man, maybe you've never been to church before, guy, man, what's going on? I don't understand. Here's the thing. Hundreds of years after this, Jesus came down, you celebrated at Christmas time, little guy in a manger, you sing songs about him. But he's not just a little guy in a manger. He's the king of everything. And he came because we're all like this. And he came and he lived a life we couldn't live perfectly without the wrongness and sin. And he was put to death for something he didn't do, which was the plan all along. Because without his death, none of us have hope. And so, and so his death was the thing that when we say, wait, why did you die? If you're not a Christian, he died because it's either his death or mine that pays for my own wrongs, my wrongs and my sins. And when I say, Jesus, I want you to please take all of my sin, would you forgive me and put it on you so that your death on that cross could actually take all my sin and it, it could push it away and give me your goodness in me so that you might see me as if I had never done anything wrong and I've always obeyed you. That's what it does? That's what your, your death does? Yeah, that's what his death does. You want hope? You want genuine joy? Listen, you're, you're all of us, we're all like Jonah here. Our only hope is to trust in the king. So our only hope is to trust in the King. And Christian, I, I would just say to you, um, how are we thinking about things like this? Because we still live in this broken world, don't we? Where like the, the temptation is to run away from grace, uh, run away from God working. Oh, I don't necessarily want to see it over there. I'll see it if I pass it. But more than anything, it's more about me. Like my life is about me. And we have all of the Bible saying, live differently, change, be like Jesus, Trust the Spirit working. You know, it's not my efforts. It's the, it's the resurrection power in me that I, I get to live this life out. I get to live out the mission of, 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 of the Scriptures, which is to go and to proclaim this good news of the Gospel to everybody. I, ha, I get to do this, and yet we just we shy away from it sometimes. We don't necessarily want to press in and, and watch where God's at work. I would just say we should be those that are continuing to see and experience and want to know God's grace, to to gravitate towards it like a magnet, like a magnet that just is pulling us in. It's like gravity. You know, we want to grow so that gravity happens, but it's the gravity of God's grace. Well, I can't help but just get there because I want to see it. What's he doing? Where's he working? How is he doing this? So in order to think through that, let me give you two, two ways that we can live this out. The first is this, living out this reality that growing Christians run toward God's grace. The first is this, Make seeing God's grace a daily pursuit. And I don't, I mean, I have some, some suggestions for you. The first would be make it a, a daily prayer point that God would open your eyes to where he's at work. What's he doing? Amen. Amen. Put it in your phone as a reminder. Have I seen God's grace? Make it like 2.15 in the afternoon. I don't know. Sometimes just a daily reminder. Have I seen God's grace today? Where is he working? Where can I rejoice? Where can I see it? What can I do with it? Because unless we are intentional with this, what's going to happen is just the daily grind of getting up, going to work, coming home, going to bed, getting up, you know, going to work, coming home. Oh, it's Saturday. Getting up, watching football all day, which is fine. I like to watch football all day too. But, but never really thinking intentionally about what, what's God doing? 
Where is he at work? So make that a daily pursuit. And the second thing that I'd say is this. Just fill in this blank. If so-and-so were showing grace, I would be disappointed. If, if so-and-so were shown grace, I would be disappointed. That's, that's really a heart diagnostic, isn't it? It's diagnosing your heart. You might say, this whole political party, this whole group of people, you might say, this one individual. Some of you have had really difficult lives. and so There, there are people in your life that you just think, man, they, 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 they have something coming to them, which I get. I would say, you don't need to feel like you need to be friends with anyone. But if God does a work in them to save them, to change them, would we be disappointed? Or would we say, Lord, you know best. I've met some older Christians who when God does a work in people that they don't really love, I've, I've actually talked with a couple of these folks, they laugh. Not, not a laugh of like anger or frustration, a laugh of like, of course, <laughs> of course God does that. That's amazing. Like, God does that. Never saw it. Never thought about it. I, it's just amazing. You know why? Because they've walked with Jesus enough to know He does amazing things that we might never expect Him to do. But God is a God of working. God is a God of, of grace. And church, are, are we those that are passionate to go see it and find out where He's at work? To search it out. To watch for it. Maybe even to, to make it happen. Maybe even to say, you know, we can't, can't make God's grace happen. But to, make the, to, make, to put ourselves in situations, I should say, to see it with our neighbors and our coworkers and people around us. Are we just going, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a pastor, you know, or, or I, yeah, I'm a Christian, you know, and, and having conversations with them. My friend Aaron, who you heard from earlier, goes to the same Panera. If you meet with him, you know it. It's his office. Same Panera, sits in the same booth, knows everybody in there. If you go in there with him, just be prepared because people are going to come up and say hi to him the whole time. But he's intentional because he's saying, I want God to work here. Are we, are, we, uh, are we seeking it out? Are we looking for it? Listen, one of our values is being relentlessly outward. Being relentlessly outward is a value that we have. And one of the things we used to say all the time that, that this is pre-COVID, we're trying to get back into pre-COVID mode a little bit, bringing back things, is here's the reality of being relentlessly outward. People are the mission. People are the mission. The mission isn't just simply having a, a, you know, a, a band that's too loud for some of you or too quiet for some others of us, um, or a nice room with some nice lights, or church building one day. It's not just about, the mission of Anchor Church is not getting a building. That's not the mission of our church. Your, your life as a Christian is not, the mission of your life is not just to live it and sometimes be around the church. Your mission is the people. Your mission is to say, because God's given it to us, to say, who needs to see grace? Who needs hope? Who needs the gospel? Who, who wants to hear the good news of Jesus? Who around me? Because my mission is the people. I want, I want people around me that don't know Jesus. I, I want them to experience a life full after this life, full of joy in the presence of the King. Who, who is that? Holy Spirit, who is it? 
Give me eyes to see. I want to see it because I want to experience grace. Amen? We want to be a people who experience grace. Julie, I'm going to have you come up with the band as we close. Church, what if we were those who didn't run from grace, but we saw the weakest, the lostest, the most helpless, the most in need, the most messy, those that we look around and we're like, people, people, these people, you know, I don't know what hope there is for them. Let's say, I know what hope there is for them. It's the hope of Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. And you know what? I think one of the things that helps us get there when I said that we want to see, you know, make, make seeing God's grace a daily pursuit, it starts with us. Because I think the more we can reflect upon the reality that, man, He has been gracious to us. He has pursued us. He has run after us. He has been, he has been constantly at work in us, and He still is. The more that we can see that, I think the more that we're going to experience uh, this reality that, man, if He can do that in me, I want to see him do that in others. And where is he doing that? We want to be those that, that seek that out. So, as we prepare in a moment here to take communion, let me pray. Ask God to continue to help us to grow this. We'll sing a song and then we'll participate in communion together. Lord, our, as we start this book, our hope, our joy, our confidence, or my desire for us as a church body to just continually lean in and walk forward toward God's amazing goodness, your goodness, Lord, your grace, your kindness, your character, who you are, what you've done first in us, yes, but may it just not stop here as this is me, that's, that's the must-see in my life, everybody else is just so-so, may it be we can't wait to see your grace at work, active, your spirit working and moving and people around us, we just want to be flooded with stories of you at work and, and doing things around us, Lord, build our faith, help us to know you more, help us to grow that way, may we not run from your works of grace like Jonah was doing, where he just didn't want even want to see it. He didn't want to experience even watching people he didn't like come find fresh hope and joy. Lord, help us not to be like that. Lord, help us to be those that have experienced your grace so much that when we go out into the world, we cannot wait to see what you're going to do next. Lord, change us that way. Lord, build us that way. Grow us that way. And I pray that this whole, um, this whole series through Jonah, I pray that you would help us, Lord. Help us to understand that you are a pursuing God. Your goodness, it pursues us. Lord, it pursues those who, are, who run from you. you. You don't just leave us. You don't forsake us, but you, you grab us and you pull us to yourself. Lord, I pray that we would know that. Help us to, to love that. Lord, help us to grow in our understanding of who you are more and more. Lord, we ask this, Jesus, in your name, amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we respond in song. I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. 
If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.